Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Theomatic Podcast. My name is Craig, and my guest today is Ed Tandy McGlasson. Did I say that right? <laughs> Dude, you are in. <laughs> you uh, you uh, beat Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football, who you know. misspelled, uh, mispronounced my name. I had to correct him. in a, On Monday Night Football. On Monday Night Football. Oh. You have one moment as a center <laughs> that, you know, oh, man. it could be a good thing. And there was. <laughs> I, Ed McGlass' ass or Ed McGlass. <laughs> oh, no. And, you know, I could actually say I was probably an ass before I met Christ. Oh, hello. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> For those that are new to this podcast, this is a series that we're doing called Conversations in Contrast here on the Theomatic Podcast. And we're talking basically about a subject that you wouldn't normally think of, uh, which is pain. Mm. And Ed, one of the reasons for that is because there's some good things that social media, many good things that social media has brought, many bad things, many downright evil things. But one, I think negative, uh, maybe unintentional, maybe intentional side effect of social media is that we're teaching a whole generation to view other people's lives through filters. Yes. So part of the heart of this series is to hashtag fight the filters. We want to pull back the curtain on pain and not to glorify pain or struggle or turmoil, but because I know that there's a generation of people looking at other people's lives and the highlights and everybody knows my life isn't perfect. I have struggle and pain. And so who am I to ever do anything great for God? But what I've found is that people that are doing great things for God typically are there not because their life is perfect, but because God has brought them through something difficult and made them a man or a woman to be mm. used in his hand through sorrow, suffering, pain, turmoil, struggle, all those things. So, there's really no breakthrough unless you have pain. Right. Because right. you, you, you would be, what, another upgrade? Right. Right. It's not real. Right. It's an illusion. Right. You got to suffer before you get to the top of the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we're talking about today. Mm. And uh, so just before we jump into that, if you're hearing background noise, all those things, just want to make sure you know, we are actually currently right now sitting in Shalom, the mobile podcast studio. <laughs> this is a 26-foot-long trailer that me and my family, my wife, and my kids were traveling from Seattle to San Diego in. The bunks are right over there. The kitchen's right there. And so we're actually in the shadow of LAX right now in El Segundo, LA County. <laughs> so if you hear airplanes and generators and whatever, we're in an RV park, and that's just the way that it is. So forgive us on the background noise, but we're going to have a conversation right here from LA. And so this is the way I want to start, Ed, if it's okay with you. I know that you uh, probably have a huge curated bio with all the accolades and all of the things. And, and we know each other a little bit. We've done a, a, another uh, podcast together, a couple collabs together, but we've actually never met in person. So I don't know like a ton about you. So, But I want to introduce you just the way that maybe I would perceive somebody might see you from afar. Somebody that's not super close to you, but they see a video online or something. They're like, well, what's this guy's story? So um, that's the way I want to introduce you, if that's okay. Awesome. So, so this is what I see. I see a, a, a big man of stature who has been in the NFL. So an NFL football player that played on, th I think, three different pro teams. And that's amazing. And then I did learn this just a few minutes ago off camera. You said that you held the bench press record for like 30 years of benching like four times my weight. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> 600, over 600 pound bench press. That's crazy. I know that you uh, were a lead pastor of a church for 35 years. Mm. And right now you have a worldwide ministry, both in person and online, uh, specifically uh, to to men and fatherhood. Mm. And so you're posting videos, you're doing podcasts, you're on TikTok, Instagram, all of things, Twitter, all of it. And so I, I would imagine somebody might see your life and think, man, he's got it all going on. He's got the family, he's got the kids, he's got the grandkids, he lives in uh, Orange County. Is it okay for me to say that? Sure. Lives in Orange County, has an international ministry, speaker, pastor, podcast. So... Man, it's like, what it, what's going on with this guy's life that has led him to be able to be in the NFL, success, all of these things? It might be easy to look at your life and think, man, it's probably just all handed to you on a silver platter. <laughs> yeah, Everything's right. just been perfect for this guy. Hmm. You know, made it to the NFL, all of this. So either your life has just been totally easy 
and comfortable and God's just set it all up for you. Or I'd imagine like most of the people I've been talking to that have, that are doing great things for God that you've been through something. It's been real. Many things in life. Right. So well, it's I'll, interesting that we're here. This is a very special place for me. This right here? This area. Really? My father was born here in El Segundo. He was a test pilot in the Navy. Really? And on, on uh, May the 29th, 1956, my, my mother, who was pregnant with me, um, he was outside of Moffett Airfield Base in Northern California. My dad had to make a, a decision at 400 miles an hour because his plane was failing. And he um, was heading towards the water, losing altitude. The engine had flamed out. And he had to make a decision at 400 miles an hour either to bail out and save his life or to ride in the water. And he hit the headset and said, this is November Papa 88, taking it in. It was Memorial Day weekend, 1956. And my dad was killed at 400 miles an hour a month before I was born. No. So I didn't have a day with my dad. So which one did he do? He, he He's a fury. He, he, he wrote it out or he ejected He wrote it. it. He, he wrote it out because it was Memorial Day weekend. There's people all over the beaches. And so my dad hit the water thinking maybe he could land it and uh, was lost at sea. And a guy comes to my um, mom's door. She was waiting for his flyover. And he didn't do his typical, you know, wing, I'll be home in an hour. That's how he would he would do that. He would he would he would buzz her house and let her know, I'm heading home. He didn't show up. She knew something was wrong until a knock came at the door that night, from the commanding officer saying, "I'm sorry to tell you, but your husband's been lost at sea." And I lost my dad, and my mother had remembered that that night he was reading his Bible. He circled something in the Bible. And she ran back to his room, grabbed his Bible, and saw the word that my dad circled the night before. And he was reading the story in Matthew of, of them looking at what looked like a ghost on the water, walking up and down the waves. Whoa. And they, when they first thought it was a ghost, Jesus said to me, don't be afraid. Yeah. And Peter said, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. That was a word my dad circled in his Bible. And I lost my dad. So I never, you know, growing up, never got to smells after shave, watch him walk, um, you know, go and get advice. Never got to see him in the stands. I missed that. You know, that was, that did something to me. And my, my mom you know, remarried another Navy guy thinking she'd get a, a, a uh, safer one and married a submarine commander coming out of the Naval Academy. And uh, he really tried to be a good dad, but he struggled because the only way he knew was to just drive you, mm. push you. Mm. And, and so much of my uh, childhood was about performance. Okay. And I was, it was like I was... Uh, on a hot fry pan all the time, I had to be performing. And it was you. You attribute that to him and his attitude, the way or? he was fathered. Because uh, see, one of the truths that that I've learned about myself is that, and it's true for all men, that we can only give away what we receive. Mm-hmm. We've been made by God to what? We're grace empowered human beings. When we receive God's grace, we get get the abilities. We don't have to do the things God wants us to do. They would be impossible, right? We're also word-empowered men and women. When, and the words that are spoken over us either unlock us or limit us. Right. And so imagine having a father that no matter what you did, because I, I remember the name I got out of my childhood. And it was... It was best kind of summarized my senior year. We beat our arch rivals 
like 72 to 6. Mm-hmm. I'm the captain of the football team. I'm the most valuable player on the team. And that's hard to do mm-hmm. when you're an offensive lineman. Right. Not the QB. Not, not the, the QB. running back. Not the whiteout. And, and he was wearing my jersey, my stepdad. And he comes out on the field, puts his arm out, and says, hell of a game. And he looks at me and goes, but you know, son, if you would have if you would have made that last block, remember that you won, you missed, you'd have scored another touchdown. You missed it by that much. And without realizing it, then it named me as a man. My identity was, you miss it by that much. Wow. So, you know, everything in my life from that point was pushing, pushing forward, pushing my kids. So guess what I did to my kids? You miss it by that much. Really? And it started hurting them. I started to, they started getting farther away, and I was just really broken as a dad. Wow. It's not that I didn't love them. I, I meet dads all the time who love their kids, but they just don't know how to give away something they've never gotten. Right fathering you know and then being a husband right knowing how to love the woman who lives in the estrogen river (laughs) where the monsters live (laughs) (laughs) i I put on my floaties baby i jump in that river and then i have two daughters who are as strong as my wife is Uh uh-huh and you know, navigating their their hearts as a dad, and all this. But I, you know, the you know, I losing my dad, and not having what I've come to understand now. I never got to. I never got to know what he thought about me. So I want to yeah, I want to ask about what do you think hurt more, or how did or how did either affect you? not having your biological dad or the way that your stepdad treated you? Like, as you think about your childhood and and what formed you as a young man and the pain that you felt, was it both equally? Was it one more than the other? You know, let me answer it this way. I didn't didn't think the first affected me as much because I had a dad in heaven, right? And I, I kind of discounted my stepdad because I was going to prove him wrong. But really what hurt me the most is I did the same thing to my kids. And I started seeing their hearts drift. They're more scared of disappointing me. Huh. And I realized I, I, I went to um, uh, one my best friend in heaven is a guy by the name of James Ryle, one of the, one of the greatest preachers ever died early wimp you know he you know I miss him. and uh he, he was the guy that was really one of the guys with bill mccartney helped start promise keepers he's just a godly prophetic powerful guy and he was doing a men's retreat for us i said man i i need to know how to become a better father i'm, I'm making fathering all about me mm. now was my pain because my kids were suffering like everybody's kids were and I promise I would never do the same things to my kids, but you usually do those things because you've received them. Right. Those promises, like I'll never yell at my kids like that. You right. do it. And so, you know, I, I was in this space of, um, you know, trying to be a dad, but realizing I just didn't have it. And How old were your kids at this point when you started they, having this revelation? They were all, you know, my, they were all between, my oldest was 11. Okay. And so it was 11 on down. And so they. How many kids do you have? I have five. Five kids. Yeah, five kids. And we just had our 13th grandchild. Wow, congratulations. Nine (laughs) granddaughters and four (laughs) grandsons. We got serious Icelandic woman power, man. (laughs) And our house wow and so that that okay, was so your kids the, are 11 on down and you start to realize 
that you are doing exactly what it was that you promised you would never do. Yeah. That's what we do. We give what we have. Well, I'm at this event with James, and he reads a scripture about David. David, you know, swoops up five stones and puts them in a sling to face Goliath. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hits Goliath between the eyes and takes his 13-pound sword out, whacks off his head, holds up his head, and King Saul asks this question. Whose son is this youth? In other words, I want to meet the kind of father who raised a son like this. Hmm. And it hit me. I mean, I'm sitting in the front row, and I'm a, just a pile. And I realized I'm not kind. I'm not that kind of dad. Huh? I'm not a good father. I'm a driving dad. I loved my kids. I've never met a dad who didn't love their kids. Can I ask what you were doing at this point vocationally? At this season? Were you in the NFL? I, were you a pastor? I, I was a senior pastor of a church. Wow. Okay. So here we are. We're getting into it. You're not the per perfect senior pastor. Everything, the guy that's got to have it all together. and We don't. That's the great illusion. So you're a senior pastor, and now you're just being convicted that the, the most important sheep in your life are not being shepherded. Yeah. They were... You know, they were afraid of me. Wow. Afraid of disappointing me. I was big Ed to them. Oh, my dad, NFL football player. <clears throat> so, and that's hard. You know, that's, um, and, the, and it, it, one, of the, one of the gifts that God gives us is he shows us who we really are. And so it wasn't, much time after that event that I'm in my study working on my sermon and my son Edward is crying in the other room and the reason why he's crying is that I came home and found out that he wouldn't he said no to my wife and was being a brat and I went in and I just nuked him and I'm so disappointed by what I did, I'm crying myself. I'm just crying out to God. I love him, Lord, with all my heart, but why did I just do that to Edward? And there was his voice, the voice of the Father. And he said, well, the reason you do that, Ed, is that's because that's the way you talk to yourself. Mm. You've learned how to hear my voice through the broken way your stepfather talked to you. But that's not who I am. If you learn to hear my voice like my son did, I'll make you the kind of father that makes a difference. And he showed me my life. My church, Greg, was about me. Trying to prove myself again. Wow. Every sermon was all about being the best I could be. You know, if someone came up and, you know, criticized me about anything, I was just, I felt like somebody was saying, you missed it by that much. Wow. And my marriage, I was struggling with Jill. I'm struggling with my kids. And I'm just, uh, I'm broken. But he shows me all these things. My house is about me. My marriage is about me. My kids are about me. Because see, when a man doesn't receive the identity from God the Father he wants him to have, he makes his whole life about discovering that identity. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting today that the number one social media thing going on is who am I? Mm -hmm. Maybe I can find my identity in X, Y, and Z. Right. And guess what? They, they name themselves those things, and what happens? They don't arrive. Right. And so I was, I was that, you know, guy, you know, here I was, NFL, you know, player for five years and did all this stuff. And I literally traveled around the world and did crusades and saw, you know, probably 100,000 people come forward in our events and <laughs> did crazy great ministry stuff where that gift was there for evangelism, but as a dad, where it really matters that, you know, I've, I've done a lot of memorials 
and last minutes, uh, having last minutes with men. Mm. And all they care about is what their kids think about them. The difference they make as a dad. And that's what I wanted. I, I wanted around my bed, not, well, you know, dad did love you. He never said it. I wanted them to know my dad adores me. Mm -hmm. So would you say that the issue, the issues of your upbringing and the lack of your dad and the lack of a healthy dad, and then you realizing that that's who you became, that that would be one of the biggest pain points of your life? Oh, yeah. And so this is, this is interesting because now you're not the lead pastor of this church. Now your main ministry is called what? The Father Difference. The Father Difference. So you you have literally taken your biggest, deepest pain point, and that has become your ultimate calling. Well, actually, God took it because he loves to display our weakness huh. so that when he anoints us with his spirit and fills us with his son... He looks at us and goes, that's my son right there. He loves to display the broken. Look at the scriptures. Who was the righteous guy that God bragged on who did it all perfect? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The, 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 the gospel of Jesus is good news for the broken. And, uh, and so God, you know, he... What happens, I, I had this incredible encounter where he actually became my father. I didn't know he could be. Hmm. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, yeah, God's got a, you have that father heart ministry. And I go, could you not call it that? Because God's a father. He's not like a, a beating heart somewhere hmm. or a concept. He revealed himself as the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that I, I thought I just had to try harder to be a better dad. But the problem I had was I didn't have a father to teach me how to be a father. I had coaches and some of those guys were great. But I didn't have a father that really was there to teach me how to be. And then I read 2 Corinthians 6.18. And Paul puts together two verses in the Old Testament. And it says, and I will be a father to you, says the Lord God Almighty. And you will be my sons and daughters, says mm -hmm. the Lord God Almighty. And when I read that, I went, you want to be my dad? You want to be the father that I never got to have? And I, um, I wear these dog tags around my neck. You can hear it in the microphone. My dad took these very ones off the night before he crashed and put them on the bedside table. My mother saw that look and saw that verse that he circled. And so I, I've worn these and I... Those are your dad's? These are my dad's. Actually? These are the ones he would have died with. Wow. But son, I wear these. This is my inheritance from my mom. And... They jingle all the time, Craig, and so I'm used to them. But I was in Asheville, North Carolina doing an event years ago, and I'm walking up on the stage, and I hear my dog tags, they jingle. And I had a uh, a lifelong question that I asked God that I wanted an answer for, and that was, why did you take my dad early? He was a, a Christian, and... I didn't just speak to him and warn him. Mm -hmm. Now, why did I grow up without, you know, having him in my life? My mother would say, you look like him, you act like him, you talk like him. She even bought me Old Spice, you know, when I was a teenager to put on the aftershave. So he said, this is with your father's favors. Mm. <laughs> and so I always said that question. So I'm walking up on this platform and in front of a crowd and they jingle and it stops me. 
And it was the voice of the Lord. And he answers my question. He said, I let your dad come home early so that I could be your father. And nobody would be able to say, you came from just a great father on earth. That's why you're a good dad. Hmm. Now go and tell them I'm the father they've always wanted. Wow. And it, he answered that question. And so I know there are people listening that you've wondered why you lost your dad. Or you were raised by a guy who was really broken or brutal. I mean, could it be that uh, all along God's been inviting you into what he invites us all into? That we would... Um, receive that adoption he promised us and mm -hmm. become his sons and daughters. Wow. Such a message for this generation. I love this Father's, generation. Fatherlessness has never been higher. Isn't and, that amazing? I yeah. mean, it's, you know, in in our lifetime, in my lifetime, which I'm, I got some years on you, mm -hmm. uh, the family... Um, it's disintegrated, right? Not because of social media. Social media was actually started by a guy who couldn't get a date. <laughs> Think about that. Facebook, will you like me? Hmm. Will you be my friend? All the language, right, that is core to identity and togetherness and community. It's an illusion. You could have ten thousand followers, but. Does anybody know Craig, right? right. I mean, we know Ed, right, right. in the real, right. Right. real kind of way. And, um, and yet it speaks about the, the greatest wound in, in our culture. But, you know, there's an amazing promise that God has yet to finally fulfill before the great and coming day of the Lord. God's famous uh, Italian prophet, Malachi. <laughs> he says, I'm going to send Elijah, my prophet, and it's going to turn the hearts of fathers mm. back to children and then the hearts of children back to the father. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I know this, that, um, and you're one of these voices. You carry this... Um, powerful place of, of fatherhood in you for your generation. It's uh, it's something that, it, by the way, it's the most irresistible thing on social media when you tap into it. Because mm -hmm. so many of these kids out there, I meet them every day, they've never had a single lucid loving moment with a dad hmm. yeah. and I mean my if I can have any part of helping a boy or a girl discover their true identity of being a beloved son or daughter man that's like my best day hmm. and, and and that's what you're doing now yeah because I got See, we, we get to give what we receive. I mean, everything that God does to us is actually a calling for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. We're, we don't just get to keep our story and say, well, this is my story. It's, well, there's another, you know, 100,000 people with your same exact story who are just wondering if they're the only ones that are screwed up out there like you right. are. Right, right. Wow. So you have, God has really taken your pain and made yeah. it your purpose. Yeah. And uh, thank you for sharing that. I mean, there's a million different ways that people could exp be experiencing that same type of pain, mm -hmm. whether they lost their dad or they had a bad one like you discussed. But, but there are millions of people that resonate with exactly that. And 
those that are now fathers that are maybe saying to themselves, I'm not the one that I thought I would be. And so before we get to the, the second part of this podcast, because this is what you are doing in this season of your life and ministering to, if there are people listening that are like, man, I need help in this area to be a better father. What is it that you guys have to offer that you're, that you're providing? How are you serving? How are you training? How are you teaching? Uh, what we're doing is uh, I wrote a book called The Difference a Father Makes. And it was just this uh, crazy um, sports writer from Atlanta who came to an event that I did. And it was one of my first conferences, and we had uh, 80 guys in a campsite. And I said, how many of you never received a blessing from your dad? Come forward. And uh, 78 guys came forward. It was a holy bomb. I mean, it was, I was shocked. Right. I didn't even actually feel that anointed in talking, you know. I was just sharing my story and what God did. And so he goes, you got to write this down. So I said, okay. And so we got together and over two days we wrote the book. It's called Power Writing. This is a little tip for writers out there. Because I wanted to write a book, but I didn't want to sit down at a computer all by myself. And I called a, a consultant of mine and said, how do you write books? He goes, well, why don't you do it? How would you like to write a book in two days? I went, how? He said, um, find a place where you can be isolated, bring some friends in, get butcher block paper, put it all over the walls, and spend your first day outlining your story, your scripture. Bring in an editor who can type like 200 words a minute, turn on a recorder, and tell your story the second day to your friends. That's what we did. We actually wrote the book in two days. Wow. Then edited it. took about 30 days after to do all the final tweaks and put it out. And we've had, you know, as of today, somewhere over 430,000 guys and gals have read that book. And so we're giving that book away for free digitally online to anybody who comes to uh, our ministry as a gift. You know, God asks us to give it away. And when they read it, we then offer them a a free coaching appointment, a 15-minute, hey, man, what's the number one thing you want God to do with your family? And then we have a a program that we've built. Um, It takes them through a video-driven kind of uh, uh, refathering program that really teaches them to do everything their dad never taught them how to do. Wow. And this is all where where do people find all this? Well, if you go to um, if you go to the the difference a father makes dot com dot com the difference a father makes dot com and there's a link for the free book and once you get that you'll get to download right away and an invitation from me and um, which then we'll connect to you and we have our courses and all that stuff. But we're right now, Craig, we're giving everything away for free. God asked us to. I mean, he just said, look, I gave this to you, you know, so just give it away. Because I've learned one thing about ministering to men is that they struggle investing in their soul. Mm -hmm. A girl will, you know, she'll do a program and do a Bible study for three grand, but a guy will go, Maybe I should just go to Home Depot and get some more screw guns because those are predictable. <laughs> but and so we we've uh, uh, we give our stuff to men. Of course, we raise money to be able to do this, but we want to sow into families because every dad who's gone through our program, they get their family back, they get their kids back. And here's the, here's one truth that, I mean, you can really blow it in your marriage. And so a lot of guys who come our way are already divorced or in the process, but you'll never not be their father. Right, right. That is a God-given role that I feel like I'm a, a center again on God's football team, <laughs> right? And Jesus is calling the play, and I'm just I'm just calling fathers in the huddles everywhere I go, going, huh. hey man, you matter. There is nobody more important in your neighborhood than you. 
fathers can change an entire cluster of community. Mm-hmm. And when you get that into the church and the senior pastors are spiritual fathers, right? that church rocks. Yeah. Right. It's not about the sermon, man. He's up there saying, hey, love your wife the way I do. Or at least as I make mistakes too, right? Father your kids that way. Right. So anyway. Wow. Well, I hope a lot of people go there and, and uh, hear that hear that on this episode and go and take you up on that. It's good Do stuff. it. Be fun. Um, conversations and contrast is about two things. One is what's one of the hardest things you've been through in your life. And then the second is just fun. It's just I want to just end by talking about something awesome. And so... I don't know how much you know exactly, but I, I did a little research behind your back with some of your friends and, and your wife. And That's said, awesome. Hey, what's a, what, do you, what do you just think is amazing about Ed? And I got a lot of different responses. That's good. Yeah. And your wife gave me a few and uh, some buddies. One guy that you've been good buddies with for over 40 years. Brian <laughs> so, Holloway. Yeah. So, man, there's actually a number of things that I'd love to talk about, but... Uh, why don't we, um, because like I figured out that you paint <laughs> and then somebody said that you have a garden of orchids Oh yeah, and you're a chef and all this. And so you could touch on any of that if you want, because that's all just interesting, just fun stuff. But also somebody, I think it might've been Brian said you have, I don't know how many, he said, you just have a catalog of sermons and audio and 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 written all of your sermons for your whole ministry is that mm-hmm. true you know, yeah i have well i preached um three times every sunday for 35 years plus <laughs> everywhere and i have all these boxes and boxes of masters of recordings all recordings all sermons do you have the physical written sermons too I have the physical written sermons for thirty-five years of yeah of church and of conferences and all that. Yeah, the, what are you doing with all that stuff? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm. That's a really great question. <laughs> you know, if you know, I Brian's always saying, "Hey, man, we need to get all this stuff." Yeah, it's like twenty, thirty books, and I said, "Yeah." <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and so yeah, that you know, there's a, you know, I've been. Um, you know, I'm just really grateful that, uh, I mean, I, Brian and I have been, uh, we met on a high school football field. And I had I'd already played my first season with the Jets, and, and I saw this big black man running, and I said, hey, man, you want to race? He said, okay. So we raced. 40-yard <laughs> dash, and, and I beat him by a did, step. How much did you weigh? Oh, I was 287. <laughs> and he looks at me, and he goes, you're the first white boy to ever beat me. Ah. So we run again, and he beats me by a step. I said, you're the first black man to ever beat me. And we became best friends. Really? In Potomac, Maryland, which is about 99.9% white. Okay. Very wealthy neighborhood. It's like a naval area, isn't it? Yeah. And so me and Brian, it was just so great. Just We just became great friends. I didn't see a black man. I saw my friend. Yeah. And we just, we've done everything together. I got to be there in his life and share Christ with him and pray for him. And he prayed for me and talked to him on the way here. He says, man, you're going to have fun with Craig. He's a great guy. <laughs> Didn't know you talked to him. That's awesome. Well, cool. Let me let me do one, oh, let me do one more then about one of the earlier subjects because I'm just interested. You're a, you're an NFL football player, and then I see that you're a paint you paint, and yeah. you, I see this picture that you painted of uh, I'm assuming the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, the, yeah, the cloud the cloud above it. So how did that start? Being an artist, and a painter, well, you know, it's just I, not something you assume from a big NFL yeah, center. Know. You know, I, my mom my mom was an artist, okay, right? and so she would never let me do any of that stuff. She and, wouldn't let you. No, she wouldn't let me. She pushed me back. Because you out need to be work out. You need to be an athlete. Be focused on the NFL, son. Because my wife was in my dream as much. Matter of fact, I'll tell you about something about my mom. Power that a mom makes. A difference a mom makes. Um, in college, when I, because I had an injury on my knee, 
my left knee and uh, tore all three major ligaments. So they scheduled me for surgery. It's kind of how I met Christ. And um, my mom heard about it, drove up to Youngstown State University six hours, went out and bought a knee machine, had somebody load it into my dorm room and put a note on my door when I came back to the room. Son, I believe in you, and you're going to play in the NFL one day. Love you, Mom. Wow. That's the kind of mom I had. Wow. And so, what was the question again? Well, start- you started painting. So oh, you painting. get out of the so NFL my mom, later in life, you're like, I don't yeah, need to paint. So we go up on a on vacation to Mammoth Mountain, which is the Sierras here, incredible mountains. And there was uh, Richard Coons, who was a, a famous artist there, uh, had his gallery. And we'd stop. And so we stopped, and I went in there, and I saw these paintings. And my mom had just passed, and so I took some money and bought a, a really expensive landscape. And so I started looking at it and just uh, reminded me about my mom, and I, th- I felt, you know, I'd like to do this. Hmm. I love mountains. and So I called Richard Coons up, and I said, hey, buddy, um, said McGlass and he goes hey how you like the painting I said hey it's great hey do you ever teach anybody and he goes no I'm too busy I'm just really focused and I said really he said no no I don't take any students hang up so I started praying about it I called him a week later I said hey Richard uh, Ed McGlasson again you sure you can't just take one student would you just teach me to some things you learn he goes are you one of those men that's going to call me every week until I say yes. <laughs> I said, I am exactly that man. And he goes, okay, here's the deal. Copy what you bought. And if you have any talent, bring it to me. I'll look at it. If you have any talent, I'll teach you. <laughs> and I said, how do I do that? So on the phone, he tells me, you know, buy, you know, bird umber and sienna and cobalt blue and thallium blue and buy these colors do this. This is how you lay it out and, and copy that painting, and um, and then bring it to me. And so I, I did the best I could, and did it, and brought it up about a month later. And he set it on his easel and sat down across from it and looked over at me and he goes, "How'd you do that?" I go, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "It took me thirty years to do that." <laughs> and I said, I cheated. He says, how'd you cheat? He goes, well, the Bible says that the first spiritual gift that was actually given was the gift of being an artist. Right. And so I just um, opened my hands and I said, Lord, would you uh, gift me like you did my mom to be able to see and put color on a canvas and be an artist? In Jesus' name. Now, I didn't feel anything significant at the time. And he goes, so you're one of those people. I said, I'm exactly one of those people. (laughs) And so we became great friends. And so my painting started being more challenging, and I painted Mount Sinai. That was my third painting that I ever did. And I painted, you know, I have them all around my house. and, uh, And so I could probably, you know, do that, market that, but I do it because I just love the the space that it gives me to just be totally creative. Wow! And uh, but now I'm so involved in podcasting and video and color, and that takes a lot of time. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So any, I think anybody can do it. You know, God's the gifter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we can become the gifted if we just open our hands and say, Lord, I've never done this. That's awesome. Well, cool. Man, thanks for sharing. I wonder if uh, we already talked about where people can find you. Mm -hmm. The Blessing of the Father? Yeah, uh, blessingofthefather.com right now. Our new website is going to be The Father Difference, which Mm. by the time this airs, it'll probably be live. Okay. And and you just... uh, I'm on social, I'm like you, you know, I'm on social media, just, uh, and I do it like you do. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not doing anything to be famous. I'm mm-hmm. doing everything to reach kids. Right, right. And that's, I mean, there are, uh, we we have an opportunity as men to be the fathers that these kids never had. And man, I tell you, whatever industry you're in, man, do it. Right. Because these kids are dying for a guy like you just to have a conversation about what it means to be a man, to be, you know, a beloved son. Right. Yeah. Well, I wonder if you just say a prayer for people then in closing. I'd love it. It'd be an honor. From specifically from the place of, of your pain and your ministry now, those that either don't have a dad, had a bad one, or that they are a father now and they need, I think that there's a clear impartation on your life. Yeah, that's sort of what, you know, we get to give away what he gives us, so it's not ours, right? Right. And so let let me just, before I do that, let me just finish the story about my dad. You know, he circled that word in his Bible. Mm-hmm. And fast Come. forward 40 years ago, 40 years later, I'm in front of a group of high school kids. My youth leader was six, so I'm in the car trying to pick a verse to teach him. And I was struggling as a husband, struggling as a dad. And um, and I and and so I picked the scripture. It happened to be the last scripture my dad read the night before he died. And I wasn't putting two and two together. I'm going to teach him how to keep your eyes on Jesus, take a step out of the boat so you don't sink. Hmm. And so I'm reading the scripture. I got a hundred kids in the living room and Jesus said, and when Jesus said, come to Peter, Peter said, Lord, if it's really you command me to come to you in the water. And Jesus said, come. And right in that moment, the father I never knew I could have speaks to me. And he said these words, the last word your father heard before he died was the word come. And that's what I've called your life for call people to come to me from this moment on your name ed is no longer football player pastor or the role you have which you do for a living but you are my beloved son and whom i love too the same words that jesus heard in the river when he came out hits me at 40 and something just changes in me when jesus says i won't leave you as orphans that word orphan there in the greek is fatherless Hmm. not mother and fatherless but fatherless he saw a crowd of people who didn't know who the father was and something changed in me and i i became a man for the first time at 40 from a voice of a father who blessed me that I never knew I could have. And I went home that night and my wife looks at me and she goes, something happened to you. I said, what? She goes, don't take this wrong. But it's like a boy went out to do ministry tonight and a man just walked in my door. What? She saw it. Wow, at 40. At 40 years old. Because I was, I was making ministry about me, trying to prove myself to God. And something shifted where now I've already been approved of because he's my father. Wow. And so you're probably listening and saying, I never had that happen for me. Well, you can have it right now. Hmm. Whether you're a girl or a guy out there right now that's going... I need this piece in my story. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe you're listening and you've never like totally said yes to Jesus. He's just one of your sources and you know when you're all in. Where your first step, the, the, the step to get to the Father's blessing in your life is you gotta have the Son. Jesus actually said, there's no way to the Father but mm-hmm. through me. Mm-hmm. So, just pray this prayer. This is a prayer I prayed in 1977. 
in Kilcolly Dormitory with ice packs around my knee. Uh, just pray it with me. Say, Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all the things that I've done. I want you. I need you in my life. I give you my life. I, I receive you as my Savior, my only way. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If, if you just prayed that for the first time, would you get a hold of Craig, let him know, get a hold of me. Mm-hmm. And here's the second prayer. I want, I want to pray a blessing that God gave me to every son and daughter that's listening. And here's the great news. You might have had a good dad. You still need the Father's blessing. You might have had just a really broken dad. You needed to. Because he's made us all to be to have at least two dads. Our birth father and our supernatural birth father, God the Father. And so I pray right now for my friends that are listening. And I say to you, your name is no longer about your pain. Your name is no longer about your achievements. But from this moment on, God the Father says over you like he did his son in that river that day. You are my beloved son and daughters in whom I love. And I bless your life. Like Paul writes, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places there is. I call you out to be the man that God's made you to be. I call Mm -hmm. you out to be the woman that God's made you to be, which is a supernatural transaction from a loving father to a daughter to a son. And I give you the same name that I gave my son, Agapitos, which is beloved. Mm. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. Your name now will no longer be limited by what you received or didn't get from your dad. Because I am a father who has the cattle on a thousand hills. Mm -hmm. And I want to bless you for the rest of your life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. God bless you all. Thanks for joining us. And like you said, if you made that commitment today, please reach out to one of us. We'd love to follow up with you. God bless. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.